Hi, this is Damon Pistolka, host of the Faces of Business podcast, where we talk to interesting people about life and business. We cover their backgrounds, obstacles they've encountered, and find out what drives them. Along the way, our guests share nuggets you can use to drive your success. Reach me directly, D-A-M-O-N at ExitYourWay.us, or check out our website, ExitYourWay.us, for more information. I hope you enjoy our show. All right, everyone, welcome once again to the Faces of Business. I'm your host, Damon Pistolka, and with me today, I've got Jennifer Heron with Action Engineering. Welcome, Jennifer. Hi, Damon. Thanks for having me. Uh, this I, I'm so glad we could get get you here. It's been a while. It's been a long time coming because I really I, I'm really intrigued by your business now and your your um, background as we talk about uncovering opportunities with the model based enterprise or model based manufacturing because I think this is something that a lot of people are really considering now that. It used to be relegated to much larger companies or really haven't considered as how if they adopted the model-based approach throughout the organization, how it can really streamline their business. Right. Yeah. Yes. And it can. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So let's hear a little bit about your background, Jennifer, because I think I always like to do that because and you got some cool junk and you're not junk, but cool. <laughs> Cool work experience. Cool. Work experience. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we were we were just chatting before this, and I, I went to Washington University in St. Louis, and uh, that's where my bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering is from. Um, uh, I also have a little bit of a separate side of me, which is a, a, a performer side. I grew up um, dancing, ballet, and then did jazz and modern in high school and um, also did some musical theater stuff in high school. And then when I got to college, one of the reasons I chose WashU was that I could do some little bit of theater. And I also learned to do rhythm tap dance, which is my absolute favorite still. Um, and I still do do it. And wow. so I'm a little bit uh, unique from that aspect, but it was fun to be able to combine and mash up theater stuff with engineering and I think I even talked to my dean of engineering into uh, not doing some English classes because I could do dance as my electives instead. So there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little clever that way. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, what, what I ended up doing is kind of my, my work uh, jobs while I was at WashU. Uh, um, I started working with a professor who um, was working on being principal investigator for some Mars missions. Um, and this is back in the 90s. So it's early on in the days before we have uh, the big rover that we just put uh, there now. And um, so I ended up as my first job working uh, at Lockheed Martin here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, and um, I did several uh, discovery missions, spacecraft uh, related. Um, there's space stuff behind me. And um, yeah. yeah, and then I also did uh, unmanned ground robotic design also where we were putting together um, robots, you know, where we basically took an ATV and took it apart and automated it and <laughs> so it could drive itself. So hmm. yeah. 
Wow. That's, that's crazy. Cause I mean, when you think about the, the critical nature of anything in space, it just basically can't fail. Or if it does, right. there has to be something that just takes over a, a backup. That's right. Of some sort. Redundancy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it, cause it's, it's not a good result of something. Uh, there's like, nobody uh, there to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the kind of stuff that you were working on, was it, is it mainly uh, unmanned kind of that stuff or yep. was it? Okay. Yeah, unmanned and did I did have a stint with um, both Orion, which is a was a, a capsule kind of modeled off of the old Apollo uh, mm -hmm. system, um, and then also I worked on Dream Chaser, which is a lifting body for um, for people as well. So um, the manned activities are. Uh, obviously more serious from a criticality standpoint than the unmanned. Um, the unmanned, you know, we were able to work redundancy in and, you know, if eventually if it failed, you don't kill anybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So a little bit less critical uh, than, than the manned um, missions, but obviously we still do it today. So. Yeah. So yep. what, I was thinking about designing space, equipment yeah what what was what was something that you go i never thought about mm. this <laughs> about something that i designed yeah you just like i would have never thought that i had to consider that yeah that's a good point um uh probably the cleanliness of things so uh, very early in my career i ended up um working on the Stardust mission uh, and the Genesis mission, both of them had a substance in it called aerogel. And aerogel is this kind of like baked out silicon something, something. Um, and it was, I used to have some sitting at my desk, uh, but it's since like crumbled and uh, dissolved by now, but it was a clear foam and, but it was super, super dense. So we would, we unfurled, we called it the waffle grid because it, this looks like a waffle. Yeah. We unfurled that and stuck it in the tail of a comet. Um, and then we collected the space dust and then we brought it back in to the capsule, sealed it all up and then deposited it back in the desert for pickup and analysis. So I think what was most interesting there is, you know, as the, as the rookie uh, engineer on that was, okay, we have to, seal that system up, move it around the country so that we can get aerogel populated, um, had to have nitrogen purge and things like that. So we had to keep it really, really clean to leave earth so that we weren't per putting contaminants out into space and then saying, oh yeah, well, look, well, we got, you know, yeah. <laughs> did you know there are bees in space or yeah, whatever, right? There you go. I was just yeah. thinking you can't, you can't have little bees like in your, in yeah. your in your uh, aerogel so probably the cleanliness factor um uh was most interesting and and there were some complex problems to solve in that aspect yeah yeah no doubt and i mean when you see the pictures of it like when they're doing a telescope it's crazy yeah you know the clean room environments they have to do but that makes sense if you're going to collect samples from space you know you, you right. don't want to contaminate like you said with with a bee or a fly or specks of dust or whatever it's really specks of dust right yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. bee's going to be pretty obvious <laughs> yeah yeah they'd see that i think so, we should take that out yeah so when you were doing that before we got on you were talking about you know you're obviously helping 
people with model-based enterprise work and, and helping people do that. You started designing in solid models from the beginning. Yeah, from the get-go. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know people complain now, oh, you know that college kids don't learn how to draft. And I said, I didn't learn how to draft. And this is my 25th uh, yeah. anniversary of graduating from, you know, with my bachelor's degree. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we always made a model and then you pro that model gets projected onto the drawing and then you'd add your dimensions. And um, what we advocate now is that instead of that step of creating that 2D static drawing, leave it in the model, add your geometric tolerances uh, with, with a solid datum reference frame, your geometric tolerances to define the engineering requirements so that it all fits together when you get it back. But, but then that conveys the information to the manufacturer um, that allows them the flexibility they need to make the part however they're gonna make it. One of yeah. the one of the things we get is oh we can't use geometric tolerancing because it's too expensive to build. Well, I can put I can put a big profile tolerance on that stuff and say build this within you know a tenth of an inch. That's pretty big. It's a lot of flexibility yeah. <laughs> in your part. So um, that's what we're doing is defining the mathematics of the tolerances in the 3D data set so you can view it and see it. Um, and then also other machines can read that information and interpret it. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Cause I, I, I lived in the old world where you took the 3d model, if you had it yeah. and, and, yeah. and and you make that and you get the 2d and that's how you do the, uh, the actual measurements and everything else, because you're either on the model itself, measuring features and, right. and writing a number down basically. Right. And, and doing it or creating the drawings from the model. But you're saying that the, the dimensional data actually resides in the model itself and there's no you need to it. create the drawings. That's right. You got it. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, if you scan it with a scanner um, or if you use a CMM tool or, or whatever your methods are for inspection, um, then you could just compare those two pieces of digital data together. And, and then there's great, software tools that allow you to visualize how they're out of spec and you know if you're an automotive supplier for instance um you're building hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of parts um and 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 probably more and so you can see how your machine tools um are, are operating that that oee the operational equipment yeah. effectiveness and and make sure you're hitting the mark every time so there's a lot um there's a lot of opportunity once you digitize the data um, solidly uh, with mathematics that, you know, it has machine readable information Yeah. Um, to, to capture the engineering requirements. And you could do lots of things in, in the fabrication step and lots of things in the inspection step. So backing up to when you were starting and working on the space systems, were they yeah. already doing this kind of stuff then in that, in that realm? Or was it, was it really going <laughs> to the drawings like you're, like you're talking? Yeah. You know what, Damon, it's really funny you say that because just today we, I, I grew up here and I, I, I grew up with my job, you know, here in yeah. Colorado and I, yeah. I've been in Colorado for, I guess this is going on my 26th year. And um, I, I said, you know, we used to go to machine shops locally here all the time because we built funky, weird parts and we built one or two of them. So I, 
and I did a lot of research and development work also. So we were always kind of able to talk to the machinist directly, which is a great way to grow up as a designer. Um, and uh, pretty much 100% of the time, I gave them a model to start with um, for the most part. And then, you know, I still, at that time, there were no annotations where you could add, you know, the, the tolerances and things like that. So I'd still have to provide a drawing, but we were always seeding it right off of a model. Yeah. Um, and then I even had a machinist teach me how to take that model um, out of a DXF file and then CNC directly from it. So in fact, that that little, it's a little mercury capsule back there. Mm -hmm. I, I designed that and then popped the, the DXF file into the CNC machine and then machined out the Lexan I don't know how long ago, probably 20, 21 years ago. So yeah, nice. we've been doing this for a while. Nice. Nice. <laughs> but but the software tools, the CAD software tools are way better, yeah. more, you know, easier to use. They're they're more robust. They they really are creating a lot of digital connections that give us traceability through that whole cycle so that we can start eliminating uh, manual data reentry steps. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what I, that's what I think is, is so amazing. And, and because, you know, honestly, I haven't been in a technical role in a manufacturing. It's been 15 plus years. And, you know, in that time frame, I knew how to use the, whatever it was, the, 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 the salt. I can't even remember what the name of it was. The one that, that Katia. Boeing and, the Katia, yeah, I knew how to use Katia enough to be yep. dangerous, right? And, <laughs> and I go. could, I could pull up the model and measure stuff off. That's about all I could yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know, and now the systems that you see, even from then until now, are so much easier, and the integration between systems is so much better. I mean, in that it time, is. you couldn't, you couldn't really go. You could. But it was not just a boom, boom to go from there into my CMM or my measurement system, whatever I'm doing, right. and then just right. measure right off the model. That was right. just like almost unheard of. And, right. uh, you know, we were building stuff for the F-22s. And yeah. so, you know, it was all model based. Sure. Everything was model based on it, but uh, it was clunky, clunky. Yeah, I think, it. you know, clunky is a good way to say it. And. And I appreciate that you bring it up that, you know, it, it was worse than it is today because there's still a whole lot of whining about the tools. Um, of course, they probably will always be whining about the tools, I suppose. Um, but it is definitely, there's been a lot that's happened in the last 15 years to evolve the technology. Um, there's just a lot of players in the space that are working really hard to bring the value um, of, of digital data and, and keep it all traceable and hopefully make it less clunky. I'm all for less clunky. That should definitely be the, <laughs> well, the end yeah. game. Because looking at it from a business perspective, yeah. if when you get everything working together and it's not like I've got to convert this into that and then there's mm -hmm. some, you know, and, and you really get it so it's integrated it's got to be uh, a, a really pretty incredible to see to see a system like that working together um, yeah in, in a manufacturing system in a manufacturing uh, setting so let's talk a little bit about you know so you were doing the space the the space design you're working for Lockheed Martin and such and then what prompted you to to form 
do something different? Yeah, yeah. What, <laughs> why did you decide, oh, I need to go out and, and teach people about model-based manufacturing and, and becoming a model-based enterprise? Well, clearly it's because I'm totally obsessed, but <laughs> that, and, and that that is somewhat true. Um, well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a given. I, it is a given. I, I've come to realize uh, actually just recently, I said, you know what? I think I might be addicted to efficiency. And yeah. that's actually a really good thing in my business. It's perhaps not such a good mental health thing uh, to always yeah. try to be efficient all the time. But um I definitely addicted to efficiency and I loved modeling things and making the models efficient. Um, and on top of that, I had a couple of different jobs in different places and we changed CAD tools. So, um, I mean, I started out life at the very, very beginning using UG, um, Unigraphics. Yeah. Then I learned Ideas Master Series. Then I learned uh, what was Pro Engineers, now Creo PTC. Uh, then I uh, learned SolidWorks. I'm trying to get this all in the right chronological order. Um, and then I learned NX. So all the tools really are exactly the same. They just have a couple of different button clicks and they have a couple different uh, variations and you know what they can support and, and what their quirks are. Um, yeah. We know a lot of their quirks. <laughs> so from, from kind of all those experiences, I was, you know, I just found patterns in the way I was working in every single CAD system. And so I thought, okay, this is an opportunity for me to sit down and categorize this information and um, and then share it with others because it was it was a a body, you know, a, a text text document that that was missing. Uh, yeah. I, I really do believe in in standards and uh, standard working procedures and. Um, you know, again, sort of my efficiency addiction. Yeah. Um, and so I was always trying to build instructions and tell other people how to do it. So um, then that's that's when I sat down and and wrote my Reuse Your CAD book. Yep. Uh, and that first edition um, was published in 2013. And then um, this year we published a second edition um, that includes some, not all, of the <laughs> of the learning that I had in the in the last seven years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your book. You wrote you wrote the okay. book. So what what why what, what it's a yeah why what's the book <laughs> help people figure out? Well, yeah. So again, totally obsessed, um, and I could see patterns, and I could see instructions that if people would uh, model things in a certain way, uh, then we would be able to uh, consume it or reuse it. Or, you know, if you got hit by a bus, another designer would be able to pick it up and mm -hmm. um, and use it because it was built in a standardized kind of, you know, sensical way. So the, the first release of the book really focused on um, CAD modeling, large assembly modeling, how to uh, create um, um, assemblies that could be uh, used in parts lists that could, um, you know, the individual piece parts uh, could could be consumed in machine tools and, um, but primarily it was all built for for designers um, yeah. to say, hey, designer, here, you know, I'm leaving, I'm leaving today. I'm going to hand this off to you. You finished working on what I'm working on. Um, 
and so it was primarily built for that. But but what we learned in the last seven years is that um, there's or eight years really is there is a lot of benefit to the downstream consumers if they've got that 3D model already then they're a step ahead of the game and they're not trying to misinterpret um, anything coming off the drawing. Because mm -hmm. what's wow. on the drawing is just 3D projections and then you gotta like unfold it and unfurl it in your head to create a 3D model. So <clears throat> we discovered there's lots and lots of benefits to those consumers of that 3D data, but that, that we'd have to uh, present it in perhaps a different way than we're used to looking at it as engineer, cause engineers, because we're engineers and we're addicted to efficiency and yeah. <laughs> we know we know way too much math, you know, stuff like that. Agreed. Yep. I'll just go agreed on that part because it, 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 if, 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 you, if you don't know an engineer, yeah, just hang around one for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. We're into the details. Yeah, yeah, a little, yeah. yeah. <laughs> people that are around me understand that very well. And we are fixing things. That's the other thing. True. It's like, it's like hey, it can't, it's broken. I can't walk away from it. It's Let broken. me fix that for you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. That's right. Yeah. Oh, we can go down that hole a long ways because that's a that's an ugly thing to try to break. Yeah. But uh, so you're 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 doing this now, and you're helping helping people do this. So. So what are some of the enlightening things that people really see when they go, okay, we're going to, we're going all in on the model-based enterprise. We're going to do this. So when, when they start to do this, what are some of the things that you see that they really benefit from? Um, there's two really, really big categories. Um, and then there's lots of things that can be derived from those big categories. Um, but uh, let's say the first one is about eliminating waste. There's a lot of waste in, in how many people touch a particular product in the documentation today. And, and some of that is because, you know, we needed that for the drawing-based methodology. Uh, you know, I mean, they used to draw ships by hand and then they used to have another person come in redraw the ship to make a copy. I think those were things that that was yeah. the state of the art of the technology at the time. So um, we're looking at eliminating waste. And this kind of brings me to my second topic, which is we really want to um, help out the employees of your company by taking the tedious stuff off their to-do list. If it's stuff that's just, oh, I'm just clicking and clicking and clicking, or I'm you know manually transcribing from here to here, there's a lot of copy paste from spreadsheet to spreadsheet kind of activities. Yeah. Um, if we can build in that digital uh, traceability where um, they can trust that the data is maintained pedigree um, throughout the transitions, whatever whatever those transitions may, may be, then those people that you have doing all this ridiculous manual labor can really use their carbon-based brains for what they were intended for, which is solving complex problems. Yeah. So um, that, that in and of itself, there's about 25 different capabilities that we've come up with uh, in the model-based space that um, help 
to uh, persist accurate trusted data from design through fabrication through inspection and then oftentimes there's a supplier loop right mm -hmm. you have a big supply chain of of data and information exchange and and what we want to do is create feedback loops through all those four kind of typically siloed areas within the manufacturing space and if we start creating feedback loops then we start to be able to improve our product in in a much better way yeah. So when, when you talk about those, the eliminating the waste, uh, what are a couple examples of that that you see that that people go, wow, this has really impacted our business? Yeah, this is several years ago now, but we ran um, a basic pilot with a, an engineering organization that handed their data off to um, a supplier. And one of the great things about this particular project that we ran was that um, we were able to be intimately involved in all of the all of the steps on both sides. Okay. Um, and the reason why I say that's important is because a lot of times people just throw their information over the wall to the supplier and say, "You do, you deal, mm -hmm. deal with it." You don't always get the result that you want. Um, when you do that, especially in these kind of transition um, activities where you're trying to like I gave you a drawing yesterday, today I'm gonna to give you a model, good luck, you know. <laughs> so what we learned in that process and that data exchange, you know, that the data went out from design to, to the fabricator and then they pulled data back in because they were pulling first article inspection reports and they wanted to see all that feedback loop and that data. Um, and so there was like, you know, digital models on one side where they engineered and then on, on the supplier side, they always, they took, they often took that model kind of like a, as a step file or something like that. And, and then they started playing around with the model and building tooling. Um, sometimes they built in-process models and things like that. So looking at kind of that workflow and, and diagramming it up, we found as many as 20 to zero manual data re-entry of data through that process. Wow. That's 20 yeah. people. 20, 20 brains manually re-entering data. Um, and one of the common pain points with where people live today, even if they're using a model like a step model, is their step model geometry doesn't actually match the drawing. And now we're in a, everybody's in a pickle. Yeah. <laughs> Both the engineering side and the supplier side, all in a pickle. So, so we took that, that manual data exchange and, and, and reduced it. Um, and, and in the geometry case, in the, in, the, in the case of where we're just representing the geometry of the product itself, yeah. um, and actually I've got a visual aid for those who are, so if I, if I take the geometry of, of this product itself and I transfer it from the engineer to the supplier and I run a, a verification and a validation report, you'll hear them called, and you say, oh, you gave this part to me and, or you designed this part in NX, I translated it and now I have it in SolidWorks. I'm gonna run a comparison report to compare NX and SolidWorks and make sure that my geometry that I get is still is still good geometry and that yeah. it matches the source. And that's a really important thing um, at a base level is just to verify that geometry. Um, and then what we've completely done is eliminated any manual data reentry error that could occur in that cycle. Yeah. And that's one that's one 
That's one piece. It's one piece of information that sits on your drawing today. Um, there's there's geometry, and that's mm -hmm. this. Um, they're the annotations, the dimensions, the tolerances, um, the notes, the flag callouts, the material identification. Um, they're attributes. That that's often information like the part number. Uh, the description of the part, you know, bracket number three, that's my favorite mm -hmm. name, uh, yeah. Jennifer's bracket number three. Um, and uh, and so we have all that information on on the drawing today, and we pull that, that good stuff that we have on the drawing, we pull that back into the model and represent it um, digitally, and then that information gets used and reused across that, that supply chain chasm, which often it is a chasm. Yeah, so. well, because a lot of that stuff in the past was not included with the model. It was only on the drawings. It was only or, on the drawings, right. Or in some other, communicated some other right. way. Right, right. So you're saying that that, yeah, I can see where that's that's quite an advantage if that's all included with the model itself, because it is, as you said, there's one source for the right. truth. There's one source for the truth. Now, I'll give you a little tip don't think that's all coming in one file. Okay. It may be multiple files aggregated together. And if you want it in a single file, then you're not paying attention to the future. Look at big data. This is an aggregation of data um, that we're layering on in different ways. And that the key is to keep it all uh, connected together. So okay. you may or may not be able to get that all in a single file that you send. So that that's something that um, it's just a tip. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a good valid point is because you're really talking about managing data, not necessarily yep. managing files. That's and, right. And data is a model data, our specifications. And you said it's call outs, it's dimensions, it's whatever yeah. it is. Yep. And it, whether they are in the data file itself or not, really is inconsequential as long as you know what the data set is that's and it right comes and is connected together and right. if i design it like this and the next step in the process can use it like that and keep the data together and the right. next step in the process can keep the data together i yep. think that to me would be one of the more important things that you'd want to try to do that's right that's right and and the hard transition for people is to transition from, you know, that piece of paper, it's really yeah. handy because it keeps everything kind of in a box. Yeah. <laughs> keeps all your data in a box, but it's also very limiting, right? We can't link to other data that we might want to also see. Um, mm -hmm. uh, we just, just in the last uh, two weeks, ran some, some user feedback um, studies on, um, on a piece of data. And the, one of the biggest pieces of feedback was, oh, I want to link I want to link to all the other pieces of data. And we had published out a single file to view, which is, this is a thing, it's like a 3D PDF. You can mm -hmm. view a single file, but it's not integrated into all the rest of the data mm -hmm. because we took it out of its product lifecycle management system or its data you know, cloud, if you will, of information. So keeping the connectivity of the data is really important. and. I mean, there's a whole bunch of technology around that. So yeah, yeah. So uh, this is just—it's amazing to me. My brain is just rolling here, right? Because there's, <laughs> there's a billion different directions we could go with this. Yeah. But as you look at this, 
what are the exciting things that you see that you go, wow, if we just, if we fix this challenge, we are going to, we are really going to change the game with model ba- the model-based enterprise. Yeah, well, I know I'll, I'll kind of keep focusing in on, on the quality loop because um, I have a lot of qu- quality friends that are in uh, digital metrology, I'm a board member on the Digital Metrology Standards Consortium, and, and they have definitely educated me in uh, the impacts of um, h- how quality um, uh, professionals have to the, the amount of time they're spending evaluating a drawing so that they can prepare um, a quality plan that accurately inspects parts to ensure that they're going to meet their form, fit, and function requirements. Um, so uh, uh, working on a, a webinar that we're going to deliver next Tuesday, and um, we're talking about a 50% time savings in duration wow. because because you're eliminating some huge manual entry steps. So 50% wow. time savings is pretty, pretty big. And, you know, I want to caution people that this is not about, oh, well, I can lay off 50% of my workforce. No, think about it as your throughput is going to increase by 50%. So, so, so you're, you're talking about yeah. qual- the quality the throughput in a quality department is, yes. is, and I'm not talking about, you know, first article, getting something set up in the beginning, but you're talking about as we go along on right. a production basis. Yeah. As you go along on a production basis, um, wow. as you make changes to your parts, you're so much better informed about how your parts were operating before because of this data you're aggregating and collecting and, and, yeah. and continuously feedback. I mean, it, it was a huge deal to me because even when I built all this spacecraft stuff that did go to space and did work, so I'll take that. But, yeah. you know, I just threw it over the, the fence and they made the part. I had no idea. I had no idea if they were meeting the tolerance, positional tolerance to this hole that I'd painstakingly done all this ridiculous fastener, you know, tolerance stack up to make sure I had the right fastener size and all this kind of crap, right? Like no feedback whatsoever. So I have no idea if I made a super expensive part because I I had too tight of tolerances um, because I didn't really know how the part got made. Yeah, and so I that feedback loop to me from from the inspector is just it's mind blowing. I mean, I remember going, "Huh, what do you mean? What do you mean you didn't make that within twenty thousandths? That's the only way it'll go together, you know." And so <laughs> I, I just I think the feedback loops are really really important, and there's so much opportunity uh, to leverage once you get the data authored digitally in a standardized, repeatable, mathematical way, and that's. Yeah. It's harder than it seems to, to do that. And had that that back to, you know, why did I write the book? Well, that's why I wrote the book. And then I, you know, added some more learning on it um, well, and, that we released yeah. this year. Yeah, that's, that, I, I just said, I'm just sitting here thinking about this, you know, and, and when you, you need the book because you want to start everybody designing the same way, because yeah. if I'm going to communicate to three steps down the road, yeah. And Damon designs differently than Jennifer does, than, yep. than Sue, than Dan. Yep. I mean, that just blows everything out of the water that you wanted to do with 
sharing the data across all the places because they have to adjust to each person designing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you know, if you have bad data, you're yeah. going to get bad results. So yeah. So yeah. you got to author good data. Yeah. You yeah. got to author good data. I want to write that down. That's my that's my Texas grammar coming up. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, it's uh, it's critical. I mean, when we when we talk about this and we we talk about the 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 efficiencies and we talk about things like um, what you really gain from designing consistently and and we look at look to the future. I mean, the future is not us walking around in manufacturing with a bunch of paper drawings and measuring no. junk with with calipers. I mean, it's 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 not yep. touching. It's it's in the machines measuring. You know, all different kinds of things that are going to happen that that are well yeah. beyond this. And yep. what you're, I think anyway, you're really doing is helping to lay the foundation for that. With, yep. with the with the book and getting people designing consistently in an organization. Yep. And even though you do this for like really complex geometry parts um, where it really makes sense because drawings are totally inadequate for complex geometry parts, even airfoils. I'm just like, really? This yeah. We're documenting this thing in 2D? Really? <laughs> yeah. um, so when you've got really, really complex parts and geometry, this totally makes sense because your drawings are absolutely flawed from the get-go. I can guarantee it. You give me a drawing today of a complex part. I will find something wrong with the drawing <laughs> or yeah. misinterpret something, which is what's, what's really going on. Um, yeah. So, but it, it doesn't mean that if you have some washers that you do want to do little spot checks with calipers and get yourself some Meditoyo digital calipers and, yeah. and just measure them right along and it'll pop it into a spreadsheet for you. That's still okay. Don't change that business yeah. because there's not a lot of value add with a lot of complex, you know, systems for a washer that has like three things you're going to check, right? Yeah. You got end, ID, OD thickness, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't change your business for that. And I just recently said, well, I had had an executive say, well, how are we going to, how are we going to deal with the data? You know, if, if we still have these, these manual processes, I said, well, just, keep doing business the way you're doing now because mm-hmm. that works right <laughs> yeah so don't change that part and th- that's the other thing you you don't have to do a complete overhaul you can really focus in on your your complex systems um and and build that digital traceability through there and then you know once you've got that figured out you know some of the smaller piece parts shake out and make sense yeah so where where do you see what industries do you really see? Are there any mm. segments that you see that's really coming in, or you know, I'll ask some follow up questions. But yeah, th- this is always a hard one for me um, because it's really all industries can benefit from this because they make parts. Mm-hmm. You know, if you make a widget that is in three dimensions, you can pretty much value. You know gain value from this and they're you know even if if you're building like a a fabric like a cover for a car seat or something to that effect um 
there's still value to to having some 3D data that is established and then reused. Hmm. Um, and then you know you have to flat pattern it and stuff like that. And same thing goes for sheet metal, right? Yeah, you've yeah. got sheet metal parts um, that you flat pattern. Well, the, the CAD tools are great at um, building sheet metal parts and then flattening them out for you. And then you just go bang them out in the plasma cutter, you know, that's, that's, that's a high value. So, so certain, I would say fabrication methods have advantage over some others. Uh, The most obvious, if you 3d print anything, you must have a model. This is one of my Mm -hmm. favorite quotes from my friend, Curtis Brown. Uh, You know, he's like the, the, if you're 3d printing, you have to document it in 3D. There is no other way, right? Because you've got to feed that model into the 3D printer. So, so that right off the bat, anyone who's uh, doing anything with a 3D printer, there's value. I think all industries now have 3D printers. I mean, I got one in my basement, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but we do see this in the high criticality industries. So as you pointed out, spacecraft, Got to work, got to, you know, got to fit, that kind of thing. Um, automotive, um, they're they're looking at this so that they can increase their throughput because cost is such a, a big deal, yeah. bottom line. So there's another industry. Um, medical is using it, uh, medical devices, I'll say, is using yeah. it. Um, obviously, also, they're doing all sorts of interesting things with materials and 3D printing. And, and I mean, so there, there's so much value. Um, is it all? Do we hit? geometry, annotations, attributes, presentation states, and the product structure in every single data set and every single industry? Probably not, but but people are finding value for for geometry. I mean, that that's kind mm-hmm. of an easy one, right? My geometry should always be leveraged throughout the whole life cycle of the part, no matter what. Um, so we do see a lot of this heavy in the aerospace and defense, primarily because of the criticality. Uh, and the fact that um, they do have money to spend on first article inspection processes. Yeah, and and when you have very high dollar components that you're looking at, and yes. and the investment in just in some of it, especially if you're trying to cast something, then do some more processes, and a lot of a lot of times you get a lot of processes after that. So you take a a pretty expensive alloy you cast it and then and then you have an expensive more expensive piece of alloy that then gets machined and then gets multiple processes after it and and more fabrication and whatever else and you know and you can have one component that's hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh you definitely that first article and the the at each point you're in process kind of stuff too is is critical Right. Uh, Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. It's just so yeah. interesting that, that to listen to you talk about this because the, the uses are, are mind boggling. Uh, well, I don't even know what they all are yet. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, and that's the kind of thing. Cause you're, you're like, you're like, I don't, I don't know the right metaphor for it, but you're like standing at this big open field and you're like, what direction can we go? Yeah. Because right. all the directions kind of yeah. make sense. Some yep. are more obvious than the others, but there's right. so many ways. And and I'm sure that you uncovered new reasons, new benefits, new things that, that you go, wow, this really yep. will make a difference in this application. Yeah. And, and it's a constant conversation about what the little benefits are. Um, 
you know, it's, it's, it, it is, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah. And, and my job is to help, help people get their data, uh, digital, machine readable in without limiting, um, uh, so that f sort of that future opportunity that we don't know about. So I do, I do have a crystal ball here. So I use this occasionally because sometimes I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. I so, need one yeah. of those. Don't, I need yeah, one of those. No. If people ask me stuff, I, I'll just look at my crystal there you ball. Go. There you go. There <laughs> that's you go. awesome. I'll send that's, you a link. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're so great, Jennifer. Well, you know, this so you let's let's just talk a little bit about how you're typically helping companies, you know, and okay. a little more specific about when action engineering goes in and you're yeah. helping these companies, what what are you typically doing with them? Um, well, our goal is to get people to create and then use and then reuse and automate their 3D CAD data. Um, and we're specifically doing that in that design fabrication inspection space. So from engineering, okay. you know, to supplier for original designer to supplier um, in many cases. Um, but we're, we're trying to do that. Um, in a way where we are trusting the the data as it moves from left to right in its life cycle um, and so um, some of the things we do are at the very beginning we just help them kick off and mm -hmm. build an executive pitch like you know what is this what are the benefits around this um, and we uh it, it we have um social scientists and organizational change management people that that come in and work with companies to help them see what the benefits are for for their company and then we marry that with our technical expertise around the cad systems and what it means to author model based definition data so we oftentimes build a proof of concept for them so yeah. we go okay give me your drawings uh, and we get a drawing and we convert that into model-based definition and then we show them um, the kinds of things you can do with it. So, cause that's kind of the hard part. Um, if you get into this space, you're gonna spend about two years dorking around with learning the technology and, and stuff like that. And we think you should be able to do that faster. So yeah. we, we like to bring our expertise. We kind of kickstart that for you. Um, and then we move you into, okay, now let's be very specific about your downstream activities. Um, we want those consumers to adopt what you're going to author. So let's make sure we understand who's taking the next step after it leaves engineering, because engineers are easy. I mean, we can convince them of this all day long because, you know, <laughs> they yeah. can already sort of see the, the, the future, you know, based on their training that they've had. So, um, but if you take it on uh, into a shop floor, there's a little bit more hesitancy around this 3D data and what does it mean? Yeah. So, um, so we call that our consumer adoption strategy. Then we do a kickoff workshop and build a team. And then we're there kind of like coaches, like track coaches, just to make yeah. sure you, you know, you're, you're up in your sprint game or up in your, yeah. your long, you know, your long haul runs and there to keep you on track um, with, with figuring out pilots and stuff like that. Well, it's, it is because, because, and now I'm sitting here thinking about it as you're talking about it. 
we're talking about a change that affects the heart of a lot of operations. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it especially is. in manufacturing, when you You're talk right. about component data, whether it's drawings, right. whether it's, you know, scratch it on a yellow pad, you know, it, that, that data around the components and the assemblies yeah. and everything that they build, there's yeah. the heart of there. So you're really teaching them how to change their thinking, their practices around yep. that. And it does take not just laying it out, like you said, in the first phase, but then yeah. you have to show them and yep. then probably prove that it works through the process for them Absolutely. to help them do that. That's right. Uh, and then in the end, it is, as you said, coaching and helping over the long term to ensure that it doesn't just go back to oh well it's not working so great here so we're going to go back to this yep. and pretty soon that the workarounds are as big as the you know as the system was before you started if you don't really get the habits ingrained to go this Absolutely. is how it needs to be yeah. done if we need to change it has to stay along these kind of lines so that we can use the data all the way through right uh, wow yeah I have learned a ton. <laughs> oh, I, okay. I, I'm glad. <laughs> I tell you what, I, I just, I hope that if people listening are, are as in, in gore, engulfed in this, because this is, you know, coming from a business that I said, we had to use model-based design information to program, to do other things, but we really didn't use this you know, there's so many pieces of paper that were associated yeah. with that. It was like, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't. And like I said, you had to get, you had to get uh, enough dangerous to pull that paper kind of information off the models because you couldn't really just use the models. Right. And, and I think this allows us an opportunity to simplify some of that complexity that has kind of blossomed out of a drawing based culture. Yeah. Um, and and that's a little tricky to <laughs> kind of put that back in the box, if you will. Um, yeah. But but sometimes with all that drawing based processes that we had to establish because the technology was where it was at, we're not really sure why we're doing all that stuff. So we end up doing a lot of current, you know, current process mapping and then future process mapping yeah. so that you can see the difference and, and see where the simplification can occur. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's so cool. It's so cool. Uh, it's not boring. No, no. It's <laughs> constant not. challenges all the yeah. time, both people yeah. and technology. So yeah. It's, and it is, it it's is a the, the kind fun of thing problem that, to solve. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Yep. Well, Jennifer, thanks so much for being here today. I just, I just appreciate the, that you were able to stop by and, and, and share this with us. And, and if people want to get a hold of you, uh, go to the what's the best way go to the action engineering website reach out to you on linkedin what are some of the places that uh linkedin is a great place to find me i'm jennifer heron h-e-r-r-o-n uh golden colorado i probably is what it comes up as yeah um and it's action hyphen engineering.com and uh there's a there's a contact us form and you can get a hold of us there awesome Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here today, Jennifer. And thanks Thank you. everyone for listening Appreciate again. Any questions? Oh, again, I, it was just a pleasure. It was a pleasure. I, I'm so, I'm so, I feel so fortunate that we were able to do this. Um, so I don't even know what I was going to say other than thank you. You're welcome. And, and uh, we will be back again on Thursday with another another show with some more interesting people talking about business and manufacturing and 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 not 
I don't know. They're gonna have a lot to lot to live up to after the model based <laughs> enterprise discussion today because it's yeah. it's in it's it's really intriguing to me and and uh, I love that love the subject. So thanks so much for sharing today. You're welcome. And uh, we will be back again. Thanks everyone for joining us.